1: My name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about the Venus-Saturn square that will be taking place on June 18th. Now, this Venus-Saturn square is very powerful and is very particular. That's because in many ways we can say that this Venus-Saturn square is probably the purest Venus-Saturn square that you could possibly experience. Why? Because Venus is in her own sign of Taurus and Saturn. Saturn is in its own sign of Aquarius. Now you can have Venus-Saturn squares all the time, mixing and matching the energies between various and sundry zodiac signs. But it's very rare. It's very rare when you have a Venus-Saturn square that takes place with the planets, each in their own zodiac sign. As I said, Venus is in Taurus and it will be squaring Saturn and Aquarius. The only other uh, alternative or option was experienced a few years ago when we had Venus in Libra squaring Saturn in Capricorn. So Venus-Saturn squares have, let's face it, pretty negative reputations in astrology. Uh, there's a feeling of being unloved. There's a feeling of being unattractive. There's a feeling of being unwanted. Um, anything with un that you put in front of desirability, and you will end up with a Venus-Saturn square. Uh, it can be experienced by transit, or it can be experienced natally in your own astrological chart. But there's more to Venus-Saturn squares, which is a uh, which is often represented, Venus-Saturn squares are actually challenges. Uh, Every square talks about a conflict or some sort of combat that takes place between the two planets. And again, with this particular Venus-Saturn square, Venus uh, feels no compunction to genuflect to Saturn because she's in her own sign, Taurus, and Saturn feels no compunction to genuflective Venus because he's in his own sign, which is Aquarius. So they really are not going to be on the same page. And so these sorts of things will often involve people coming together uh, for reasons that aren't necessarily out of love or passion, uh, but for reasons that might have a sort of higher calling involved. Let me tell, share with you an example of that. One of my favorite examples of a Venus-Saturn square, and particularly this kind of a Venus-Saturn square, is the musical My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady was uh, based on a play by George Bernard Shaw, which was called Pygmalion, uh, named after the mythological character who uh, sculpts a statue of the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen, falls in love with it, prays to the goddess Aphrodite to give it life, she does, and he falls in love with her, and this is a wonderful thing. Little heavy on the patriarchal side, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Well, George Bernard Shaw, borrowed this idea for the plot of his Pygmalion, which then gets transformed into the music of My Fair Lady. And My Fair Lady uh, takes place in early, uh, oh, it's like maybe 1930s uh, England um, at Covent Garden. Uh, People are coming out of the play and and different uh, high society people have gone to see different plays and and they're coming out and they're buying uh, flowers from flower girls and things like that. Things that you do while you're waiting for a cab to take you home. And one of the people who's uh, coming out of this play His name is Henry Higgins. Um, He is a a professor of speech, of elocution. And I think he's like complaining about the bad speech or bad elocution of the different actors and actresses that he's seen in this this play. Or or maybe someone's giving someone in his gentlemanly party. uh, Henry Higgins is is very well-to-do. One of those people in England who has money but doesn't really do anything practical with it. Anyway, um, maybe someone in his theater party is making fun of him and saying, oh, you know, Henry, um, you're an old bird and, 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 and you have this devotion to the art of elocution and teaching people how to pronounce things. And when are you gonna get a real job or when are you going to get married or when are you gonna do something with your life? It's, it's, it's one of those sorts of things. And so this infuriates him. And, and so he turns to his companion, um, Colonel Pickering and he says, you know, what? I'm going to make you bet. And Colonel Pickering's like, okay, what? And he's like, I'm going to take one of these flower girls. And and, and flower girls are, are really uh, the dregs of society. They, they, it's kind of Mary Poppins, but with flowers. And in fact, in the original production of My Fair Lady, Julie Andrews played the role of Eliza Doolittle. Um, and he says, I'm going to take one of these flower girls, you know, and they've got Coal or whatever smirched on their face, and they're selling flowers, and they're wearing rags, and they and they sound awful, and they look awful, and they smell awful. And he, and Henry Higgins says to his friend Colonel Pickering, "I'm going to take one of these flower girls and turn her into a fine lady, and then I'm going to pass her off in high society." And Colonel Pickering's like, "Oh, that's really quite amusing. Uh, which one shall we pick?" And so he goes and he's like, "Her," you know, and and it happens to be Eliza Doolittle, and she's like. I don't I, I'm gonna do bad whatever but she's like would you like a flower sir I don't know some sort of like really bad cocky accidents like that and he's like I don't care about a flower I'm taking you home with me she, you know she's like what? you know and so he throws her into a cab and they take her on home and he, uh, they go with his bet that within a month he's going to transform her uh, into a woman from high society, where she will speak eloquently, and this will show off to everyone that he's not some uh, that Henry Higgins isn't some dilettante, but he's an artist. Uh, uh, that he can you know teach people how to better themselves. And so they scrub her, and, and and she's I mean no one seems to mind the fact that she's been abducted or kidnapped. But anyway, this is a play. They 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 bring her home. He's a gentleman, well to do, give her. Flat, they scrub her clean and things like this, and then she starts this really intensive curriculum of how to speak correctly. And of course, she's a flower girl, and and so he puts a microphone in front of her and he's like, A E I O U, and she's like, A E I O U, you know, like that. He's like, horrendous, you're like a wreck, you know, but nevertheless, he you know, applies himself, and, and over the weeks. Uh, he does transform her. She goes from I A I to like A E I O U, you know, and of course it comes together in that wonderful moment where she uh, 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 correctly pronounces the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. You know, and this is like at three o'clock in the morning when they've been at this elocution lessons all day or whatever. And he like rises up and he's like, Oh my God, you know, by God, I think she's got it. She's got it. And then they, they sing, you know, she's like, The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Thing. I don't know. It's Marnie Nixon. So, so, you know, and, and so she has this incredible moment. She can speak eloquently. She's a refined lady. And of course, they, they ultimately pass her off in society with the help of Cecil Beaton, uh, who does these amazing outfits um, for like My Fair Lady. They pass her off in society and, and it's successful. And, and so they've won the bet and everyone's happy. And Eliza has been transformed and her eyes have been opened and she can speak eloquently. Okay. And then comes this Venus-Saturn moment, okay, at the end of all of this, which is, well, what are you gonna do with Eliza? Like like we spent four weeks, you know, turning her into a lady. She's now this refined lady. Her eyes have been opened to society. Her mind is, is a hungry mind. She's she's a very intelligent woman. She's, she's learned very quickly and plans to learn uh, even more. And what are they going to do with Eliza? Throw her back on the street? return her to her former status as as a flower girl seller, you know, and and it's this really um, amazing moment um, because she's looking at him defiantly after all of this. And she's like, you took me from nothing and you turned me into this. I did not ask you to do this, but you went and you turned me into this. And now I've become this. And what's to happen to me? you know, which is which is a really reasonable uh, request and one that Colonel Pickering is very quick to support her in, you know, and Henry Higgins is like, well, what do you think? What do you mean what's to become of you? Go back to where you were before, find a job, open up a flower market or something along those lines. What do I care about you? You know, and so this is very much a Venus, um, um, Saturn square. Um, the, the Venus part of it, the Venus part of it is that someone, Uh, This happens to many, many of us at different times in our life, but but Venus is the vision of beauty. Venus is this vision of, of the beautiful, wonderful, intelligent, articulate person you could become. Okay, Uh, that's one of the ways that Venus uh, expresses herself. But what Venus really is, is this idea that someone else can have a vision of you that's more beautiful and more perfect than the vision you have of yourself. Okay, now the sun, we're we're used to placing this within um, uh, the realm of the sun. Okay, that that the sun is supposed to be um, ambitious or aspirational or the sun wants to become the best person that it can possibly be. And so the sun sets out to to do this, to improve itself, to make itself a better person. But with Venus, with Venus, it's someone else's vision of beauty. It's someone else's vision of perfection. It's someone else's vision of the ideal that they have of you, that you yourself maybe blind to, you have no idea what it is, but yet you can see this person seeing this in you and you want to become that, okay? And and as you can imagine, this kind of introduces treacherous territory. I mean, it's not your vision of you. If it were, you'd be going about it. Someone else's vision of you. And so as long as that vision is is being played, as, as long as that person can see that and can instruct or direct, you can become that. So there's, so, so, so you don't really own it yet, okay? Because you're following someone else's vision. And this happens all the time and in, in many different guises. But the whole, what makes, it, what makes this a Venusian thing is that you're not the one who has that vision, the vision of the better you, someone else does. And so you're kind of dependent or reliant on that person to help you become that you know, or to, even, or, or, or to even hold that vision of, of you. So that's the Venus part of the equation. The Saturn part of the equation, Saturn's the builder, the architect. You take Saturn for Henry Higgins. Henry Higgins can refine the Liza and make her speak these ways and she can pass herself off in society. So, so, so Henry Higgins or Saturn makes these things available, you know, has the vision, builds it, but then abandons it okay, Um, doesn't doesn't see it through, doesn't complete the deal. And how this is Saturnian is that you get the Saturn element of the teacher, right? Henry Higgins teaches her to speak properly. Um, You get the uh, Saturn Aquarius, the vision of uh, uh, the person who transforms her status, the person who who, who gives her refinement, who educates her, who um, opens up, an in intelligence that once Eliza is possessed, you know, is has this intelligence opened up. It doesn't stop. She's she's a very voracious or hungry student you know, but then he's not going to deliver on the promise, which is always that sort of Saturnian fly in the ointment. You know, why isn't he going to deliver on the promise? Well, uh, you know, he leads, of course, with his pomposity, you know, which is what Saturn does. Saturn is always about insecurity and anxiety, and it covers it over with, with the veneer of superiority, especially in, in a zodiac sign like Aquarius. It can do that. So, so he leads with his pomposity. It was, it was amazing. Um, uh, uh, bet. The bet has been won. You were housed and fed and made intelligent. Now, you know, back into your life. But what it really betrays, what it really betrays is his inability to reach out across to her. He's, he's, he had a vision of her, but he didn't create her. Eliza created Eliza, Eliza. Okay. He was the teacher. He had a vision of her, but he didn't create her. And so, and so he doesn't have what what it takes in terms of that responsibility, okay, to to be there for her now that now that the bet has been won and, and, and it's it's the morning after. So he's he's failed. you know he can't and and he's dealing with his own inadequacies and his own insecurities. He never really saw himself as that person that Eliza saw him so him as. He was really kind of a boy playing at. This, you know, great, you know, venerated professor of elocution and speak speech. So Eliza, in her success, has actually exposed his inadequacy and his failure, really, as a person. His failure, really, as a grown-up, to do the right thing, which is the Great Expectation at the end of the play. It's the Great Expectation at the end of the musical. You know, um, to do the right thing, and of course, to do the right thing is to marry her. Um, but that's not how the play ends. Uh, the play actually ends with Eliza saying, if I cannot get kindness from you, because he's very belittling and very condescending. She, sa- she says, then I shall have independence. And she goes off into the world really to teach herself or to be this sort of realized person. Um, and And so what Eliza learns is like, you know, I became everything that someone envisioned me for. I turned to this person to, 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 to conjugate, to, to meet, to come together, to be reunited. And the person can't do it. That hurts. But, you know, I have myself. Okay. And that's really, and that's what a square does. It throws each planet back upon itself, unto itself. And so, The Venus is thrown back on the Venus and Eliza realizes that if she wants these things in her life, it's going to be up to her. And she she actually goes and and makes that happen. Henry Higgins, the Saturn, doesn't really quite realize. He understands that there's a responsibility and obligation, which is very Saturnian. Saturn understands that. Um, And he also understands the guilt. That's Saturn 101, understanding the guilt of those sorts of things. But what's really important is the Venus lesson here, you know, and even to an extent, the Aquarian lesson, which is if you've done that to someone, if you've opened someone's mind, if you've made someone a better person, if you've shown someone the world. um, In ancient Greek mythology, they have many myths that talk about If, if someone has fallen in love with you and you cannot return that love especially in Ovid's Metamorphosis, if you cannot return that love, you are under an obligation to speak to that, okay? You are under an obligation to speak to that. You can't just reject the person outright, okay? You are under an obligation to speak um, towards that, that fulfillment and why that love is not going to be fulfilled, Okay. And and so Henry Higgins is under this obligation to explain himself, but he's unable to. And so he falls back into, you know, kind of like Saturnian place of loneliness and and and, and not really being realized as as, as a person. What's nice about this Venus-Saturn square is that it doesn't end there, okay? It's a Venus-Saturn square by transit. Um, on June 18th, you have the Venus-Saturn square, but on June 19th, which is the day that follows the Venus-Saturn square, you have the Venus-Neptune sextile. And I like this, you know, you have a transit where you have this one Venus-Saturn, you know, that's a statement we just talked about, uh, but then it's followed by a Venus-Neptune sextile, which is literally the happy ending, okay? so So you may come into your life where you feel like you're on the Venus side or the Saturn side of the equation that I just described to you. Um, And it may feel like, oh, you know, I'm being thrown upon myself and that's it like we're both walking away from this feeling lonely and miserable but then there's this Venus Neptune sextile that follows right on the heels of it and this is the happy ending now the happy ending could literally be a reconciling of the differences that takes place between you and a partner or an associate or whomever you have this Venus Saturn uh relationship with uh there could be a reconciling of the differences that might be accepting the fact that you know we'll always have this one fight and we'll always return to it but you know, let's, let's try to work it out in our relationship. Uh, the other, uh, option with the sextile of the Neptune might be ending things on a good note, you know, uh, following this responsibility to another person of saying, you know what we got together. It didn't really work out for, for either of us. So instead of being embittered and difficult and nasty, let's end on a good note. Let's, let's, let's salute that we had had this time together and, and let's, and on a good note and and go our different ways, or you can have the third option, you can have the third option, which is a realization that can take place between you and a partner. Um, that this relationship, as, as it has been set up, isn't going to work. Um, let's say it's a love relationship, we're talking about love or whatever. Let, let's say it's a love, not love or whatever, we're talking about love. Okay, let's say it's a love relationship. Uh, it may be a realization that you know to be bounded as as spouses or, or, or partners, that that's not going to work, that we're better off with, a, with, with um, a relationship that's non-committal, or we're better off with a relationship as friends, or we're better off, um, you know, let's say goodbye to the love thing and go back to the we were great artistic collaborators with each other, and let's go and do that thing. Or maybe it's um, this marriage didn't work out. We've got kids. This marriage didn't work out, but let's. But you know what? We can co-parent, and we'll be really, really good at that. So let's go ahead, you know, and do that. So, so it could be something in which it's a deliberate choice in which the relationship, you know, that you're facing isn't working in that particular guise but there's another incarnation of it that can. There's another way that it can, and it would then be the pursuit of that, and perhaps finding that it's a much, much better fit. So that is how I would uh, urge you to look at this uh, Venus-Saturn square, uh, not as something in which you keep hitting up against someone and something doesn't work out, but something in which you go on this journey of your own emotional life and and your feeling as a person, and you meet someone else on their terms, and you find the fit, even if things don't feel like they're going to fit right now. Now, before we go... I would like to extend to you an invitation to come and join me for Astrology Hub's free solstice panel, which will be taking place on June 15th and June 16th. I will be appearing along with four other astrologers, and we will be giving our insights into the remaining energies of 2022. Now, I'd love it if you could come and join us, and you can join us by registering for free at astrologyhub.com slash summer solstice panel. See you there. Bye.
0: Hi there. I'm Amy Escobar, a producer of the Horoscope Highlight Show with Christopher Renstrom. Thanks for tuning in to the Astrology Hub Podcast Network. If you love the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate. Review and share it. And if you don't know how to do that, here's how you can leave a review in Apple Podcasts on iPhone. Make sure you're on the landing page for the Astrology Hub podcast and not an individual episode. Scroll down to the bottom until you reach ratings and reviews. Click one of the five stars under tap to rate to leave a rating. And under the most recent review, tap the write a review button. And if you're on another device, just find out how to leave a review on whatever podcast player you use. Then share what you love about the show or how it helps you navigate your life. We'd love to hear your stories. And by doing this, you make it possible to make shows like Horoscope Highlights happen every week. Thank you again for tuning in, for being a part of our community, and for making astrology a part of your life.